one. Hello, you're listening to Perpetual Learning. I'm Manjula Salvaraja. And it's quite the topic today, uh, the factory that is our education system. I should say, as you call it, right, Sudan? Yes, and hello. I'm Sudan Siva, factory model of delivering K-12 education. You know, I took a week off, and I see this this topic come by, and I think I can't believe he's welcoming me back by upsetting Everyone I know in the education system, nice job. And I just do want, do want to say that, by the way, if my kid's teacher is listening, you are awesome. My kid's teacher is awesome. And I wanted to make sure that I have that out of the way. So so let's kick this off. I, I do think it's a fascinating topic. Now, according to Statistics Canada, there are nearly 5 million kids in Canada's public schools and high schools substantial amount of people. I think that on top of that, when we look at post-secondary education, I think, I know that we're talking K to 12, but but there's um, over a million students that are in post-secondary education across the country. Tell me, when you look at the K to 12 system, what is one thing that you can tell me that would surprise me about the design of the system that we use today? Yeah, I'd say the crazy thing about the system that you know we use today is that it really hasn't changed much for over a hundred years, right? The curriculum that our system uses today is you know largely based on a system that was designed by the Committee of Ten in 1892, which is oh, wow. you know again a, a crazy number of years if you think about it, and you know it includes the decision to uh, have 12 years of education split between eight years of elementary and four years of high school education, teaching English, math, history, civics to every student in every academic year in high school, teaching chemistry and physics in ascending high school academic years. And yeah, it's just absolutely wild that, you know, we've been iterating on a curriculum design that's, you know, 128 years old. That is wild. Oh, my goodness. And some of the, I mean, pretty much everything that you've stated about the 12 years, the English math, um, history, all of that is still true across the country. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, definitely a, a crazy time to believe that, you know, given everything that's changed since 1892, the one thing that hasn't changed is the education system, which almost everyone that, you know, is raised in this country goes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you think of, you know, you could probably look at other ways like system of government, who can vote, healthcare, all of these other things that have changed substantially, right? Now, totally. you've had a, totally. you've had a chance, you know, what's interesting about when I look at where you've worked is you've had a chance to think about the system over some time and also through two vividly different experiences. Um, and I wanted you to reflect. I, I know that you were part of this, this, um, this fascinating uh, writing program. I also know that you worked for a, a, a software startup that works within the existing education system. Talk to me about both of those experiences and, and what you learned from them. Yeah, so, so the first one, you know, I worked for an ad tech company called Knowledge Hook, where you know, the organization was more focused, like you said, on 
solving the problem from within. So it's an instructional math guidance system that works with teachers and the districts and, you know, the people creating the curriculum to help the teachers teach better. And, and you know, on the flip side, I've been a part of, you know, this online community and program called Rite of Passage that's designed to help writers produce content online. And, you know, it, it's very interesting. I find that, you know, working kind of within the system, there's a lot to consider, a lot of stakeholders involved. And, and you know, just, you know, to, to put it bluntly, you know, a lot of complexity that people or change agents need to navigate. Whereas on the flip side, kind of working with the rite of passage and, you know, creating a fellowship and all that kind of stuff, it, it's very different. You're working, you know, it's almost like working at a startup where, you know, you're just, you know, working with a few folks, a few like-minded individuals um, to kind of, you know, create this very fluid program, iterating on the fly and, and you know, trying to, uh, trying to help people kind of become a better version of themselves. Again, very different scale, very different impact, but, um, you know, two very different approaches toward education. And I think it represented the duality that a lot of folks need to navigate because you have ultimately access to both types of education, one that, you know, it's more or less the system or, or the incumbent and, and, you know, the other, which is, you know, more so kind of, you know, a, a very small part of the education system, but, you know, represents kind of a lot of the emerging ideas and, you know, programs that are available to folks online. You know, what's interesting about about Rite of Passage is it, it may sound a little bit like inside baseball, because I think you and I had spoken about it years ago. So, so, we need to stop to make sure that people understand what that is. What is Rite of Passage? Yeah, so Rite of Passage, created by David Perel, you know, started off as a program, you know, to essentially help folks share more content online, right? So solving all the different pain points that people face, you know, when it comes to imposter syndrome, when it comes to having a better feedback loop, having the community supporting you, creating the right habits, that's essentially, you know, the rite of passage program. And, mm. you know, David's done a really good job of taking it from, you know, a, a series of habits that you need to form over time into more of a program that, you know, if you follow and stick to it, kind of you know, not too uh, different from, you know, any, let's call it fitness program, um, you know, it, it it allows you to essentially become a writer who can, publish on a regular basis that's interesting so and 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 publish long form pieces if i if i understood it correctly back then yeah so the fellowship that i worked with david on was more focused on long form pieces right mm -hmm. of passage itself was you know more focused on writing in general so that you know ranged from tweets to uh blog posts and newsletters um really allows you know the individual to kind of be flexible on that point. But um, yeah, the fellowship that I created was uh, around creating 10,000 word essays, which to me was, you know, at the time felt like a very insurmountable task. It still is, by the way. 
<laughs> it still is for most of us. It, you know, it takes a lot to get 10,000 words around a particular thesis uh, that's validated and makes sense on paper. So kudos to you that you figured out a way to, to sort of normalize it. So here you have these two different experiences, right? Um, but you're kind of almost going through them or, or, or seeing them through the same lens. You, what, from those two experiences, what, do you, what is your sense for what is wrong with the education system that we have in place today? Yeah, I think the piece that bothers me the most is that the curriculum that is used by teachers and consequently taught to students is outdated, right? So I think, you know, when you talk to a lot of folks around you or even look back on your own experience, um, you know, people often say that, you know, most of the stuff I've learned in school hasn't been helpful. And, and that, to me, fundamentally just doesn't sit right, right. So I think, you know, the skills that are needed to succeed in today's workplace are obviously changing at an accelerating pace. And I think this problem will become only more prevalent and, and you know, essentially making, you know, a lot of the skills or a lot of the knowledge and concepts that are taught in school to become increasingly irrelevant. It's interesting because we're talking about a really huge living, to to some degree, a living, breathing ship that has children in it right now. So, you know, I can understand that it is really hard to change it because it's been built over, like you said, 120 years of layers, Right. Of, yeah. uh, of information, but, but the system was designed to, to meet a pressing need during the industrial revolution, which was to educate as many people as possible. Isn't that right? Yep. Exactly. So, you know, if, if you look at the pain point at the time, you know, you obviously had a lot of these factories, um, that were emerging, but not enough people to fill those factories. Right. And so to ramp up the number of people who can be factory workers, you needed these schools to kind of just churn out folks who are educated enough to enter the workplace. And so the whole idea of assembling you know, masses of students, you know, who you can kind of imagine as being the raw material to be processed by teachers um, in, in a you know, fairly centrally located school, a.k.a. the factory, was, you know, really well, uh, you know, taken by uh, most folks in society. And so, you know, the whole administrative hierarchy of education as it grew up followed really the model of the industrial bureaucracy. And so the very organization of knowledge um, into permanent disciplines was grounded on industrial assumptions, which, again, is something that was just taken for granted um, within broader society at that time. So, you know, you essentially have children going from place to place, assigned at different stations or classes, rather, bells rang to announce changes in time. And so, again, the factory was, you know, essentially taken down um, and applied as a model towards education. And that just stayed on. What isn't that, isn't that something? But there must be some things that you, that you like about it. You're not completely sour on the system. At least not yet, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, the two pieces, <laughs> the two pieces that I like 
think for now is you know, there's obviously an incredible amount of effort and resources put toward making sure that each individual passes a specific threshold by the time that they're done school. And, and, and that's very important, right? I think, you know, just given the way, you know, organizations, companies rely on making sure that, or, or using, you know, let's say a high school diploma or a university degree um, to at the very least say, you know, this person knows a certain amount of knowledge kind of as a proxy to uh, understanding what the individual is capable of correctly or incorrectly, I think it is still, again, at an aggregate, an important tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, if you leave people to their own accord or even to the control of, you know, perhaps more private institutions, it's a bit unclear as to whether the collective average of today's students would be higher. I think you'll see more anomalies, right, where students, again, if they're left to their own accord, have kind of the power of the internet behind them, you'll see a lot more people kind of in the extreme cases, both positively and negatively. But, you know, I think the collective average, hard to tell, but I I don't know if it would be as high as it is today. Yeah, that's hard to tell because, you know, the question becomes, you may have these people that the system currently doesn't work for that are held back in some way because of the rigidness of the system, they might actually sort of innovate and, and grow in creative ways, but, but not everyone, but you would have less people meeting a standard. And, and I do have to, I, you know, I do think that when you say, uh, oh, this person has, has finished grade five or grade 11, that there is a, there's an understanding that they know a few things. Right. And, 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 exactly. and I, yeah. And I, and I think that is, that is good. You mentioned, you mentioned the internet and, you know, I, gosh, I, you know, for starters, I remember when you and I had a conversation a, a couple of, when we started this, I was talking about how I subscribe to all of these things. And I am at the point now where I've chosen information that I've subscribed to and I can't even read those. running out of time like we live in an era where there is an astounding amount of information and yes I subscribe to these things but a lot of it is also free it's readily available I could walk out here and learn a language I could walk out here uh, learn about you know ancient um, uh, ancient Greek philosophies whatever it is that I that I, I want to how do you think it's changed our learning? Like, do we even learn on the internet? Yeah, I think there's definitely, to your point, an opportunity to learn whatever you want. Um, however, there isn't a filter on quality of information or a workflow or structure or even a sense of accountability really pushing someone, you know, who isn't as perhaps well-versed with the internet or doesn't even have the discipline um, to sift through everything and, and identify how to learn on the internet, which I think is more of the challenge today. So I think if you took a lighter weight structure that is provided in kind of the traditional education system and combine that with the power and, and the breadth of knowledge that you have with the internet, breadth and depth, really, um, I think that is kind of the holy grail, right? Where you kind of are able to merge the best of both worlds. Hmm. You know, um, 
every once in a while, uh, I'm sure you've heard these, uh, this as well, you hear these calls that, oh, the education system needs to be disrupted because everything else is getting disrupted. Uh, what do you make of those calls? You're in tech. What do you make of those calls? And usually they come from very tech-savvy people. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of those calls are born out of the frustration that the things that are taught in school are very difficult to map to what's being done in the real world. So, you know, whether you look at parents or other critics, you, you tend to see, you know, more people being caught off guard unless they take it upon themselves to increase their exposure to the real world. However, you know, there is kind of a, a very obvious value in the traditional education system. I mean, we saw it with COVID, right? I think uh, at the very least, it appears to be a massive daycare, right, for, for students to allow adults to perhaps be productive or participate in the workplace. But I'd like to think that, you know, there's a lot more than just being that massive daycare. And I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of frustration, but I think, again, finding ways to being agile and, and kind of connecting the dots between what's being taught in school versus what's being seen in the world today is quite important. And, you know, I, I think that disconnect is leading to a lot of frustration and therefore calls to kind of disrupt the entire system versus finding ways to modify and improve the existing system. Yeah, sometimes I worry that that there, I feel like there's some basics, and again, my opinion, that there's some basics that that the education system is just unable to impart to young people. So for example, um, and a way that civics could be more interesting or or a way to understand personal finance, right? Um, those were two things that I didn't get out of the school system, even though I only did, um, you know, part of my schooling here. But then at the same time, I see that funding is being removed. And then I see sort of other savvy actors asking for things like, well, we need to be, they need to be internet savvy and they need to be savvy about X, Y, and Z. So, so I just feel like we're taking the system and a system that is massive that has kids in it and and underfunding it possibly and uh, expecting more of it so so i wonder are, are there some ways we could possibly transform the system we have without an overhaul yeah i mean large transformations are tough right and, and i think you know it, it would need to be a constant iterative process, right? I don't think there's ever going to be an end state where we can confidently say that this is good and, and we can leave that as is, right? And, and and so a big piece is, you know, a continuing to review and improve the curriculum and making it far more fluid versus allowing it to be a rigid document that's perhaps revised every couple of years, right? I think the world changes too fast to uh, just have a curriculum that stays static. Right. And part of that comes with being able to train the trainers, so to speak, and make mm -hmm. sure that they're mm -hmm. in tune with everything that's happening in the world. Right. And, and that, happen, that, that needs to happen across the board. Right. It's not just teachers, but it's also state administrators, you know, folks kind of at the district level and, and at the ministry level as well. And again, it's not to anyone's fault on their own, but it's easy to get wrapped up 
in your own bubble, right? With everything going on with, you know, with, with folks at capacity for the most part. And, and, and so the goal is to really make sure that things are, again, really quite fluid so that you're constantly adapting. So it's more of a mindset really um, as an organization versus, you know, having something that, you know, could be great for the time being, but, you know, would inevitably end up being something that isn't as useful a couple of years down the line. Yeah, I think, I think there is going to be change. Um, I think there's been a few learnings, first of all, coming out of COVID. I'm also curious to see what happens with this, this pandemic generation, right? You take a kid that was in grade five and now is in grade seven and has gone through sort of a really strange two years of learning. Uh, perhaps missed some social aspects, missed a couple of things that we think is what's needed to provide a holistic education. So I do, um, I, I do wonder what's going to happen with that generation. But I also think that with some of the revisiting that we're doing in different parts of our life, I think, I think this will be a system that, that'll be revisited as well. But I, I like your idea of this mentality of, of, you know, making everyone understand that this is a dynamic system, that the curriculum is dynamic, that you're, that you too have to be dynamic. I think most of them understand that, but I, I like that as a, as a philosophy, as a guiding philosophy. Um, I'm curious before I let you go, you went through the, the public school system here, um, you know, K to 12. What did you love about it personally? Was it, was there something that you think back to that, uh, that you think was good for you? Good for Sudan, young Sudan? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't see myself or I didn't see myself as a great K to 12 student, but you know, I think oh, really? I did enjoy the social <laughs> element. Really? And, uh, I, t- I would have imagined that you would have been like the A plus kid that I would have competed <laughs> with. I I definitely was not that for the most part. I think I picked up uh, towards the end in high school, but uh, yes. for the most part, I, I a lot of the habits that I do today, as far as taking notes, you know, being able to uh, read quite a bit and all that kind of stuff, really the stuff that I picked up post university, I, I did not do as great of a job of that. Wow. I was fortunate to kind of understand some of the concepts intuitively, but by far I. I feel like I'm more of an academic post-school than during school, which is very interesting. That is something we have to talk about (laughs) at another session. (laughs) I find that super interesting because I know a couple of people, too, that were certain way in, in university, perhaps, and actually developed fantastic habits after um it just kind of speaks to growth but but uh yeah that's that's fascinating so then great topic um are we on next week as well absolutely great take care all right chat soon